0: This summer, dive into the many cools of San Antonio. Because as soon as the temperature rises, so do the many cool things to do. Come keep cool with amazing pools and the hottest nights at the coolest spots in Texas. Go to visitsanantonio.com slash summer.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson.
2: Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. So happy you're here. Great conversation today. Margie Worrell is back on the show. This is her third time on Dose of Leadership. She's been a great supporter of this show. Um, She is one of my favorite leadership gurus, thought leaders, speakers, authors. And I absolutely love her material, love her books. She's written four of them. Find Your Courage was her first one, Stop Playing Safe, Brave. And then her latest, Make Your Mark. All outstanding material. I highly recommend all of you to go out and check her stuff. Her website is just a plethora of information, margieworld.com. Check out her blog. Check out her courses. She's got a brand-new course coming out here in February. Uh, And, of course, she's just an outstanding speaker. She's an outstanding coach, just an outstanding human being all around. And it was exciting because she brought her daughter, Maddie, on the show. And Maddie is a senior in high school, um, leader in her own right, Editor of her school newspaper, founder of the He for She Club, and an actress extraordinaire. And we're all excited to see what is going to happen with young Maddie as she bravely and courageously leads forward. And that's why we brought her on the show, because as a father of four daughters, it is one of my biggest concerns and biggest challenges raising four daughters, is getting them to authentically tap into their courageous and brave self. I think a lot of what we're faced with from a culture standpoint. And it's long overdue that women can just authentically lead and, and be who they are. And I try to tell my daughters that. And so that's why we brought her on. So we we breach all those topics and, and explore what it means to be a young woman in today's society. And again, for all of us, the, the concepts apply to all of us, whether we're men or women, to tap into our authentic self and be brave and be courageous. And that's why I, I love having Margie on the show. Kind of a special, unique offer, this show, this episode is brought specifically by the Make Your Mark Mastermind. I told you that the latest book that Margie uh, wrote early this year was Make Your Mark. And this is, I read, you know, voraciously, I'm a reader of, of leadership books, and this one has made the most impact on my life personally and professionally in 2017. And I decided, I haven't done a book study mastermind for quite some time, I've been focusing on the Legacy Leader Blueprint, which is still out there. But I thought, man, it'd be cool to start January 2018 with the Make Your Mark Mastermind. So that's what I've done. And it's an extensive study in Margie's book, Make Your Mark. And you can go find out more at doseofleadership.com and click on the Masterminds menu item, and you'll get all the information about the Make Your Mark Mastermind, where we'll go through each of the seven chapters for seven weeks. We'll meet on, right now, Wednesdays, and we'll dive into this book and how you can stop procrastinating and step into an action to lead a truly purpose-centered life. This book is outstanding. You know, how to own our power to affect change, how to upgrade our mental maps and rewrite the stories that have maybe got us off course, how to befriend. You've heard me talk about limiting beliefs a lot. Befriend that inner critic and own our fallibility and our enoughness and stop trying to be something that we're not. Build deep quality relationships That will bring out the best and attract the right type of people in your life. Get rid of those negative people out of your life. Reframe how you viewed your past. And so you can leave all that emotional trash behind. And then harness those strengths and learn how to fail forward daily. This is an outstanding book and an outstanding opportunity. And what's unique about it is that Margie has agreed to join us after the seventh session on a special eighth session live. And we'll record this. And she'll meet all of you personally. And uh, this is a unique opportunity that you're not going to get in a lot of masterminds. It's an opportunity not only to uh, facilitate a, a powerful mastermind with myself and 10 other folks, but then you get to meet Margie herself. And she's graciously uh, agreed to join us for that eighth session. So, again, go to doseofleadership.com, click on the masterminds. You'll find all that you need to know about the Make Your Mark mastermind. The seats are filling up fast. I only have four more seats available as of this recording. And so you can uh, find out more and hopefully. Uh, join us as we kick this off on january 10th 2018 all right thanks for tuning in the show here's the great conversation with margie and her daughter maddie orrell on dose of leadership well margie i'm so excited to have you back on dose of leadership this is your third time visiting here and i'm so excited welcome to the show
0: oh it's great to be back with you richard
2: you know you're one of my uh, favorite thought leaders out there, and you got a special guest with us today. This is a first. Uh, who do you got in the studio with us today?
0: I have my daughter Maddie. Hello. <laughs> Hello,
2: Maddie. How old are you? I didn't. I forgot to ask Margie when we were setting this up. How old you were? I'm eighteen. Eighteen, and where uh, where are you in your stage of life? you graduated high school into college? Where are you at?
1: Uh, no, I am finishing off my senior year.
2: Oh, and then what's what's in the plans? What's in the future?
1: Well, um, hopefully, I mean, I'm in the um, the process of applying to many, many colleges and we'll see which ones I get into. And then after that, I don't really know, but maybe study political science or English, or whatever. I'll probably do a few years of finding myself and then hopefully find my way to a job. <laughs> I don't know.
2: <laughs> well, I'm, it's exciting to have you on here because as a father of four daughters and my oldest daughter is 20. And my second one is 18, and then I got a 14 and a 12. And and Margie, I've been a huge fan of you and and your body of work. And again, you are one of my favorite uh, thought leaders on here. But I we thought it would, you and I thought it would be interesting to kind of talk about this topic of empowering women and women in leadership. It's a topic that is near and dear to my heart, as I'm always trying to get my daughters to, you know make their mark, be brave, be courageous, do all these things. But it seems awfully difficult sometimes. And I and I think it's uh, the cultural impact and what we're kind of surrounded by in this narrative that we've kind of been indoctrinated with over the past 150, 200 years. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are creatures of our environment and there is no doubt that as you know, I grew up on a on a farm in rural Australia. So very much, my mum stayed in the kitchen and she did the cooking and made the cakes and everything. My dad was out milking the cows, and you know, and the boys tend to do more boy jobs and the girls to do girl jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think we we don't even realise how much we are impacted by just cultural norms and those gender stereotypes and. I guess I've done a lot of deep diving on this in recent years. I, I actually have only one daughter, Richard, and I have three sons. So I um, don't have as many girls in my, my home as you, but I absolutely know as women, because I work with so many women in, in corporate and in business owners, entrepreneurs and across the board, is that women tend to doubt themselves less, doubt themselves more, back themselves less. And we don't tend to the same level of aspiration and ambition and belief in our ability to be leaders in our own right. Yeah, and and I and it's an area I've had to do my own development with of like why is it you know where have I held myself back from even where have I been impacted by it, by the just norms of society and and how do where are other women impacted and you know I just we look around the world today and part of what kind of I guess fires up my passion on this so much Richard is. If you look around the the world today, at the big, big pressing issues of our time, and I I truly believe that if we had more women sitting at the senior decision-making tables, at the peacemaking tables, at, you know, in government, in in the corporate world, I do believe we would have better decisions that would be made. And, And there's a lot of evidence that backs that up too. that, uh, that, you know, when when the peace negotiations, when more women are involved in it, it results in less violence, less conflict. (laughs) Treaties last longer. There's so many different, there's a lot of evidence to back it up. And, you know, I'm not some raging, angry feminist at all. I'm married to a great man, have three terrific sons, raised by a wonderful father. So I'm not talking at all about um, being here in any way, kind of claiming victimhood or anything like that. But my focus is on how do we empower women and, and we've got to start as parents with our daughters and but also with our sons, empowering women to see themselves as leaders and change makers and step into that power.
2: Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, and I've said on many shows on here that, and I've worked with some uh, really fabulous women leaders and I think some of the best leaders I've ever worked for have been women. Some of the worst I've worked for have been women too. And I think it's, and I think you and I've talked about this before, but it's the, the women who were kind of the worst to work for, they weren't being their authentic selves, if that makes sense. And the women who were just fantastic leaders that I worked for, it's almost like, and I tell my daughters this, it's something, just stop. And and maybe as a man, maybe it's, it's, it's more impossible to do this than I think, but it's just like, just authentically be who you are and, and gender becomes almost a non-issue. It's like those women who were very powerful, empowering leaders that I worked for, you didn't even, I mean, gender wasn't even an issue. Does that make sense? I mean, I yeah. have a hard time articulating it, but it, I just remember looking, and the ones that who were bad leaders, they were trying to be one of the boys, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and, you know, I've talked to Maddie about this too, about, I couldn't agree more in terms of take your, take your gender out of it, but by the same token, there's a balance between Owning your femininity, just owning yes. who you are as a woman. Yes. Um, and, and you know, for Maddie, as a young woman, for everyone, as a young woman, but without this objectifying ourselves, I see a lot of women who objectify themselves sexually. They try and really yep. dial up mm-hmm. that femininity to use that, and actually, I think ultimately it diminishes, it diminishes them. But Maddie, do you have you know what's your experience? What do you?
1: What are your thoughts on that? On femininity yeah. and. Well, I I think it is an interesting balance because really femininity, masculinity, it's all about just being whoever you are because if you're going to function as a leader, if you're trying to do a job, if your other part-time job is being someone that you're not, then that's going to be extremely distracting to your work and you're not going to be an effective leader if you're spending half the time checking what you're doing to make sure that it aligns with the image that you're trying to put out there that isn't genuine um so I I mean I don't know if someone's a very feminine person naturally I would say just jump right into that but if they are far less feminine naturally I'd just say whatever skin you feel most comfortable in you really have to find ways to make that work in whatever setting you're in because when you are most comfortable, that's when you're going to be the most effective.
2: Yeah. I always go back to, um, and it's the best example I can think of is, is Margaret Thatcher. I mean, there's someone that you could definitely say who was certainly a lady, if that makes sense. Right. And she prided herself on being a lady. She would even say so, but my gosh, the, the, the command of presence that she, she had was undeniable. Right. Does that make sense to me? So it's, there's someone there, in my opinion, who embraced her power, her femininity, and, uh, again, a command presence, right?
0: Absolutely. And and I think therein lies our power too. It is just truly – it's not about being more like a man. I mean, we talk about this, you know, you, know, you need to kind of – in more this or more that, but that's just being really fully ourselves. Yeah. And you know, not everyone. For instance, we know not every great leader is an extrovert. Right. Introvert can be great leaders. Um, you don't have to be this, you know, strong, charismatic figure either. You know, some people are. That's that's not their innate natural style, and so it's about being congruent and. To me, the the women that I've worked, I've had, my worst bosses have also been women and I've also had some incredible women in my um, my career, been really great champions for me um, while I've kind of been, I haven't worked in a workplace now for 20 odd years. So, but to to have been really great mentors and supporters um, and have been very, very senior women in their organisations. And they are people who they're not trying to prove anything. Right. They are comfortable in their own skin, as right. Maddie said. Um, but they also and it's not that they don't even have self-doubt, they do. But the doubt doesn't win. Right. And and we talked about this in previous podcasts, the importance of sort of making your mission bigger than your fear. Like, no, I'm here, I have value to add, and I'm gonna I'm gonna trust in that and I'm gonna I'm going to operate from that place of knowing that there's a difference that I need to make. There's a market I want to make and and I'm going to make it and I'm going to say what needs to be said in respectful ways, you know, however it is that it comes out for me to say that. So um, I think that's where too often we undermine ourselves because we're trying to be someone we're not. So we're wearing a mask. We're trying to be really tough or we're trying to be very soft and sweet and, you know, just... Neither serves us and others. But secondly, we can let those little voices, that lack of belief in ourselves, that self-doubt, can too often kind of rise to the surface. And I I really believe that that insecurity, that's what undermines how effective we are.
2: Yeah, and maybe that's why, I mean, we said that, and I know looking at my daughters, that this this self-doubt seems to be more crippling than it does... um, to, you know, men, their contemporaries, their peers, or even myself, but I think that once we realize, and this was important even on my just personal leadership journey, itself once I realized that the fear, the uncertainty, the limiting beliefs, the self-doubt never goes away, and I think a lot of times we spend a lot of time, energy, and resources trying to eliminate that, and we think there's something wrong with us because we consistently have these limiting doubts, fears, and beliefs, it changed for me when I realize, oh, it never fully goes away. And so as a professional, I understand there's always going to be some dragon that I'm going to have to slay every single day. And we can celebrate today that we cut this dragon's head off, mm-hmm. but the professional knows tomorrow there's going to be another one there. Yeah. And I'm okay and with know, it. Right.
0: Yeah. And an, and an important piece of this too is, in, um, and I certainly like to feel that I've encouraged Maddie in this way too, It's just in risk-taking. Yeah. Um, if you look at, and there's some great research that shows that as parents, we are unconsciously biased in how we raise our kids. We are more likely to caution our daughters away from a risk, something that's risky, even physically, than our sons. Yeah. So on the playground, we're more likely to give our sons a leg up onto the monkey bars and less likely to give our daughters, it's, you know, as though they're. Their bones are brittle or
2: something.
0: Right. Um, but, but as you go through, I mean, boys can be, tend to be more boisterous. So they, they fall over more, get more scrapes, broke more arms. But they also learn to bounce back and go, ah, whatever, brush myself off, keep going. Um, and so even from a younger age, we have to be emboldening our girls, not you know, kind of surrounding them in cotton wool balls, going, oh, be careful, be be careful. We parents tend to be more overprotective of daughters. And, you know, for Maddie, we were, we were living in the U.S. Then we moved back to Australia um, and um, moving back to the U.S. She went off, moved to the other side of the world to boarding school at 16. And, um, and you know, I remember thinking, people go, oh, my God, don't you like your daughter very much? And she was really keen. Maddie's like, I really want to go to college in the U.S. Mum and dad are going to get back here. I'll go off ahead, ahead and finish my high school on the other side of the world. And a lot of people are like, wow, how could she do that? And I remember just thinking at the time, yeah, she can do that because there's been a million times we've sort of encouraged her to, to be independent and self-reliant up until that age. But, I mean, how
1: did you see that, Maddie? I mean, I think over the course of my entire childhood, mum and dad have encouraged me to really embrace change in an exciting way. I mean, I don't know, I think I definitely get my mom's social butterfly genes. And I just really like meeting new people. So we moved a bit with my dad's job. And I I just, I remember my dad asking me how I felt about moving. And I just thought, oh, it's so exciting. All my friends are just going to stay at the same school, whereas I get to have all these new experiences and everything. And it'll be challenging, but the challenge was exciting. And I remember even my dad picked me up from the airport yesterday and I was coming back and I'd just gotten a role for um a musical at school that I then I this is the first musical I've done I'm like I'm kind of terrified it's going to be really difficult it's going to be a really challenging role like Meryl Streep's played the same person like I don't think I'm I'm not sure if I'm up to it and dad's like the most worthwhile things in life are the most challenging and that kind of mantra has been there my whole life by sometimes when I was younger I'd test dad and come up with new jobs that I say oh do you think I could be astronaut you think I could be a prime minister and I'd wait I was waiting for a day that my dad would say oh I'm not sure about rocket Daddy. Mm, yeah. I'm not sure if that's the one for you I mean you're not doing too well in maths but <laughs> every single time he'd just say if you put your mind to it I think you can do it and I never I've never reached a point where he said no I don't really think that that would work for you and I mean I think we both kind of knew that rocket scientist wasn't exactly in my future but and he knew I was probably testing him but it was the same idea that whatever I put to mom and dad saying, I think I want to be this. They were like, look, if you're willing to work really hard, um, you can do anything. And having that in the back of your mind, your entire childhood, I mean, it has to lead you to some sort of sense of, you know, you really can do anything if you're willing to put in the work.
2: Yeah. You said some really salient, salient points there. And it, and it, encouraging to hear because it reminds me of my, my second daughter, and I just picked her up from the airport today too for Thanksgiving <laughs> break. She's going to school in um, in California and uh, learning how to do uh, animation. And in, in, for n- nobody knowing the backstory w- with my daughter, I mean, this is someone that struggled with the mild form of of Tourette's, and and even when she was a kid, and, and the confidence and the anxiety, and she's blossomed into this just totally confident willing to take risks and it was in fact I I saw her last weekend when I and we were talking about this and it was like the conversation was steered towards and she said you know it was those conversations of me constantly telling her it's like look it's the obstacle that you've experiencing the, uh, the obstacles that you're faced with actually become the way and start to define your character, if that makes sense. And so I always told her embrace the obstacles and be willing to try everything else. And she got comfortable. She said with um, the, the feeling of that, if it's making you nervous, then it's worthwhile. That's that, it's the, that this, the significance is going to come with the price of anxiety. And that's when things started to turn around for her. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. And and I, and I truly, and I say this to so many adults too, Richard, that just just trust that whatever happens, you know, and this is whether it's in whatever challenges you face towards a big exciting goal or whatever challenges hit you in life that come out of nowhere that you would never plan on, you could never predict, that trust yourself that you have all the capacity and resources within you to handle it. And when we trust ourselves, it allows us to be less anxious in, in times of uncertainty. It allows us to adapt better to change, because we're not resisting it and clanging on to the familiarity of the known and um, so, so, so fiercely. And I think it allows us to it certainly spares us enormous stress. And, and it also it frees us to be more ambitious. Yeah. Uh, to go, yeah, well, you know, um, you know, Maddie at times has said, you know, I'd love to work in entertainment. I'd love to be like a Tina Fey meets Jimmy Fallon or something. And I'm like, hey, you know, go for it. Now, yes, are those big, lofty ambitions? Absolutely. Is it, you know, is it anything certain? No, not at all. Um, could you deal with lots of setbacks and rejections? Of course, expect them. But if you know that you can handle anything and you have it, You have a big why around it because it really speaks to you and it ignites a passion then it it kind of it it makes our lives so much bigger and I know often women who are seen as ambitious it's negatively correlated more so than men who are seen as ambitious and likewise women have often fewer role models to look up to in, in in careers in the workplace but when we kind of give ourselves permission to go well what would I dare to do if I was being really and I wasn't afraid of failing, I could trust myself and it really expands what's possible. And whether or not that's being in a position of leadership we think of in sort of a corporate environment or in any way, I think it actually just expands so much our lives and also allows women to share more readily the many talents and strengths that we have that I think so often lay dormant or don't get fully expressed in the world.
1: I think even more on that, sorry, um, is like the idea of encouraging your kids to be really ambitious but then I think backing it up with unconditional love no matter how it works out. And I think I might have assumed when I was younger that like, my parents wanted me to achieve greatly and I I think at boarding school even it's a bit of a pressure cooker and sometimes I'm like oh but people are always talking about how their parents would be disappointed if they don't get the grades or whatever but then I'd meet mom and dad I'd show them my grades and wait for a reaction and I kind of realized that that wasn't the focal point for them and that it was you know as much as they they wanted me to try they wanted me to explore but at the end of the day, it's like they encourage, you encourage your kids to go out into the world but no matter what happens, you know, they have, they have the safety net of mum and dad will always be there and I think having that encouragement behind ambition and having that, you know, unconditional love behind whatever your kids going out to do can really provide a fantastic sense of security to take risks because, you know, that your self-worth isn't tied up in the success or failure of whatever risk it is you're taking yeah. Yeah. or the grade, the grade.
0: And I, I, I actually yeah. do see that. I see that a lot of parents. Yes. I love telling everyone their child, you know, the honest student or whatever, as though being an honest student is better than having a child who's not an honest student. And, um, and I think we've got to be really careful what messages we are sending out to our children about their worth and their grades and the connection.
2: Yeah. I think you you said, both of you said so many great things there. And I think you're right that it's teaching your kids or all of us teaching ourselves to be ambitious, but coupling with coupling it with a sense of humility and a teachable spirit. And I think that's where that combination is extremely powerful. And Maddie, that's what you're kind of alluding to is that, you know, we've all been in those pressure cooker situations and I and I had a couple of my daughters say, Well, I just don't want to disappoint you if my grades are bad. And look, I want you to be ambitious about trying new things, right? I'm not mm-hmm. I'm less concerned about you know the mark. I'm I'm more concerned about the outcome. The outcome being when you get to the end of the road and you're laying in your deathbed that you don't have any regrets of not trying something, right? That yeah. to me, I think that's the worst possible thing that's yeah. the, to me that's failure is if you if you are laying in your deathbed and all those dreams and ambitions are walking around looking at you said it was only you that could have released it right so that's my biggest fear and that's the mm-hmm. only fear that I like to instill in, in my daughters because what you said Maddie is extremely true that if you felt like you've got um, you said safety net but at least the assurance that it just stop worrying about being wrong right and go out there mm-hmm. and do it and yeah, if and, if yeah.
0: And I think, and I just want to kind of just clarify something too. When I talk about, and Madeline too, being ambitious, not ambition for ambition sake. Yeah, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. And pride. But I, I mean, I, I believe, I mean, my latest book, Make Your Mark, I really believe we're all born to make our own unique mark on the world. And no one can do the things that we can do in the way that we can do, given it. You know, all of us have our own unique combination of talents and passions and interests and life experiences and opportunities, etc. cetera. And, and, you know, for me, it's like, you know, for your daughter who's, you know, studying animation, it's like, you know, we're not all called to do that. Not everyone wants to do that. Not everyone's talented at that. But, but it's like, great, how can you use that to bring more, whatever it is, creative expression into the world? To right. contribute to ideas, the sharing of ideas and, and entertaining people to think about things differently, etc and And so to me, for all of my kids, and they're all so different, it, it makes me smile how different. What children are? That it's just well, what are you? What is it that you're born to do? And what is it that speaks to you? And be ambitious in that, in making your mark, in living your biggest purpose. And um, and 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 then I think that also allows us to be more resilient and not tenacious as we go along too, because if we're not defined by the actual success, but by our willingness to try, our willingness to just dare, to put ourselves out there, and to, to work hard when there is no guarantee of success, I think that's, that's how, you know, important to measure
2: success in is. yeah. I mean, it, it, it's funny how when you talk to, um, I, I all the people I've talked to on the show over the last five years and I've asked them, you know, they're in positions that are pretty remarkable. They've done some remarkable things. And if I asked the question, you know, did you ever expect that you would be doing this? And they would always laugh to the letter. And they say, I had no idea I'd be doing this, but what they, what was you the kind of thread between all those people who answered that way is that they were willing to go through um, doors that they didn't know what was on the other side, but they were willing to go through it. Every single one of them. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: Mm.
0: yeah. And that takes guts, doesn't it? it because does. it's, it's massive yeah. uncertainty and we are wired for certainty and it takes courage to let go of the certainty and the familiarity and, and that's why I see some people stall in life. They kind of, they end up sort of plateauing and they get to a point and they're like, well, I'm really good at this. Well, this is really secure. This is where I want, I know I won't fail. And they stay in this place where there is no risk of failing. It's like, yep, I could do this job with my eyes closed. Everyone knows I'm good at this. You know, I, I risk nothing. There's no pride on the line. But where do we stagnate to and we stop growing? And over time, actually, people can lose confidence and it sort of becomes... It feels an insecurity that when we're trying new things and stretching ourselves, even when it doesn't always work out, we actually learn and we grow and we build all sorts of life skills. And that's where, as, as a parent for my kids, I'm always encouraging them, try things. Try out for the school play. You know, not everyone's going to be a lead role. Not everyone's going to be on the varsity team. But try things if you enjoy them. And then over time, if you know you don't enjoy them, okay, fine, don't. But give everything, give things a go. And don't be afraid that because you're not going to be the best, um, that's, that that's a reason not to give
2: and go. Yeah, and that mindset really begs the question, what is the definition of even failure? I mean, failure becomes kind of a silly, nonsensical word at this point. Because what does it even mean yeah. if, if you adopt what you're saying? And I believe, I don't know, I, I truly believe the things radically changed for me when I just stopped worrying about being wrong. But how do I get my daughters to see that and believe that? That's that's my challenge. My oldest daughter is kind of um, struggling and wandering because she's, you know, she's had these ideas to be this wildlife biologist and this and that. But the grades, the the, the math, it's just not working out. She's struggling. She doesn't know what she wants to do with her life. And I'm looking only 20. Go experience, surround yourself. But she still kind of stays stagnant and stuck. So what, what do I do? What do I tell her?
0: Yeah, and I think just while sometimes there's doors that close on us that we might want to have open, um, well, you know, I remember when I met Marianne Williamson a few years ago, the, the author, and she just said, be your caller. Like, just do what it is that lights you up, just on a daily, yeah. it doesn't, you know, like, I might say, hey, I want to be, you know, the next Oprah, right? Well, that's not, that door is not there right now. <laughs> right. So it you want to empower, I want to empower people? Okay, we'll empower people today. Well, who's around me? Okay. My next door neighbor's around me, you know. My, my 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 roommates around me in my dorm or whatever it is. So, for your daughter is like, what is it that she can be doing now that, even in small ways, that interests her? That 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 helps her to learn more about what it is she wants to learn about, to to whatever impact she wants to make. Why does she want to do that in the first place? So, how can she do that in in, in immediate ways, in small ways, and give herself permission not to. Be successful all the time. Give yeah. yourself permission to simply learn and and also to explore at that age at 20. And you now I think it's this is the the age of exploration. You're learning what works and what doesn't work. You know, sometimes, and I remember this myself, the doors that close for us at that age can seem just brutal because we had our whole heart pinned on a particular direction. But often, when we look back on life, we can see all the dots, you know, connecting together and go, you know, it was meant to be that I wasn't supposed to do that. And at the time we don't know that that was meant to be. So yeah, give it your best. But if that, if, if doors remain closed, like look at the doors that are open around you, where are other yeah. ways for you to do? And I am sure there are other ways that your daughter can pursue things that interest her that may end up turning into way better things than what she's originally set her sights on.
2: I agree. I love what you said. It's so true. Maddie, what do you think about that? You're about the same age as my daughter. If, if if you found that things weren't going according to plan, how would you be faced with that, that obstacle or that disappointment that that is heading your way?
1: Um, I, it's, it's interesting because when I was, um, I mean, I don't know, like 12 or something like that, Very when I was younger, I really wanted to be an actress, like so badly. It was all I wanted to do. I wanted to be Jennifer Lawrence. It was a real dream of mine, and I was auditioning for all these TV shows and wasn't really got minor success. And then after that, nothing else happened. And I was a little just heartbroken that this dream that I'd had since I was little wasn't, I could kind of see my future panning out, and it wasn't going, acting wasn't really it. And that was kind of sad for me. But I think. I think what was interesting is that I had the rest of my life as well to look at, like everything, every other component that wasn't, you know, an acting career. And mum and dad encouraged me to really embrace those different sides. I realized I actually, we were reading Macbeth in school and I loved Shakespeare. and, And I started doing the school play instead of auditioning for all these like TV shows and stuff. And now I realized how much I actually liked school and then continued on the academic path. And. Like my like, mum was saying, with looking at the rest of your life and seeing what parts of it still excite you, and not focusing on the parts that didn't work out. I was kind of able to see that you know I was still going to be able to be happy without having that one thing. And I think as kids, we fixate on one dream or one idea. And, I mean, I think we go into adults doing that too sometimes of this is the one future that if I had that I would be so happy. Or the one person. Yeah, just all that sort of thing. And in life really like happiness is a combination of so many different things and it's forever changing and like – Constancy is extremely boring. Like, if you had that one thing and then that was it for the rest of your life, you'd get really, yeah. <laughs> really I, bored. I have to say, imagine if everything you wanted at
0: 17, 18, 19, 20 had happened exactly the way you wanted it. You know, the first boyfriend or girlfriend said yes. And, you know, like, we wouldn't be half the person we are today <laughs> in right. our 40s, and 50s, 60s if everything we wanted went exactly to plan. It was actually all the things that didn't go the way we wanted that we learned and grew from, and then we go,
1: wow
2: I'm so grateful for that yeah well that's what I meant about you know that's why I love this kind of stoic philosophy of like where the obstacle becomes the way right it's like just because who I can't remember who said this but someone told me one time it's like because everybody always wants money right I got money problems well you know richest man in the world has money problems too they're just different problems right so it's it's like what problem are you willing to die for and it's I don't know. Sometimes I talk to my daughter about it. She says, Well, that's just kind of a a dark way to look at it. I said, No, but it's not. I mean, it's like I'm willing to die for this problem and I'm ready to experience all of the experiences that come with that problem. And because I know that's where life is, that's where my life becomes enriched and I meet new people, I have new opportunities. And that's Mm -hmm. what I mean about it. I'm just not worried about being wrong anymore. I don't want to be wrong. And it still hurts when I am wrong or make a mistake. But I know that it's not failure as long as I still have, you know, air in my lungs and I can still stand up. I can still dust myself off and I can still go forward. doesn't mean that I'm not going to experience the pain. I had a great coach and she just recently passed away and she was a speaking coach. And I remember she was really helping me in my public speaking and uh, she was an acting coach actually. But I I remember I was getting ready to go on stage one time and she goes, are you nervous? And and I remember the first part of me was about to say – I wanted to say, well, no, no, I'm not nervous. I got this. She goes, you, you, "You're nervous, aren't you?" And I said, "Yeah." She goes, "That means you're alive." And I'll never forget that because that's the point. It's, it's like it's like embracing that kind of butterfly I'm about to puke moment <laughs> and and loving that. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, and I I talk a lot, of, you know, in my books on that about embracing discomfort as a prerequisite to success. Um, and however we define success, and just that nerves, of discomfort, stress—you know, like mm-hmm. oh, I'm about to go out on stage. Or, oh, what if I try, I fail? Or, what if they reject me when I, you know, extend this right. invitation I'm out or whatever it is, you know? And uh, when we kind of embrace discomfort, is that's the pathway, yeah? Just because it's going to be uncomfortable, the conversation that you need to have with your colleague or your child or your spouse or your boss. Just because it's in- uncomfortable does not mean you shouldn't have it. In fact, it probably is a sign of how important it is
2: for you. Yeah, because something yeah. significant is on the other side of that. That's what we got to tell yeah. ourselves, right? Yeah. Something yeah. significant yeah. is going to happen on the other side of it. So use it as a barometer. Yeah. Oh, well, I love talking about all this stuff. What's new? What's on the horizon, Margin? What What have you been working on? Um, ah, we haven't talk-
0: well, lots of things. Lots of things. So. I am. I've been. I started running Live Brave weekends and Live Brave events um, in Australia, and I'm uh, starting to run them now in Asia, and I'm running one in Singapore and the US next year. So, Live Brave um, weekends, So that's exciting for me. I'm also starting a PhD. Which is, oh,
2: yeah. congratulations! Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and you know, and I really, I mean, it'll be in round le- in leadership, but leadership development, organizational change, but. My deep dive is really in power and influence. How do we expand that and how much of that is innate and how do we, what, and how do we involve them, frankly, more women to step into their power and be stronger leaders? Um, because I think that's a really important thing for the world. And, um, and yeah, I've got a book brewing in the background and but continuing to do a lot of keynote speaking around. Just flew in from the US on Saturday and um, doing a lot of speaking and facilitation and... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying what's new and
2: uh, meeting new people all the time. Well, I love your stuff. You know that I'm one of your biggest fans here in the States, and I do anything I can to do so leadership to, to promote you and what you're doing. And, again, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. And, Maddie, it was a pleasure meeting you. I look forward to meeting <laughs> you guys
0: meeting
2: you, meeting you guys in person someday. I need,
0: um, we need to get to Kansas, do we? <laughs> yeah.
2: Or I need to make it to Australia or Singapore or somewhere. But yeah, uh, someday our paths will We'll cross and, I'm, and I'll the, the yeah, dinner will be fun. on me for sure. But uh, again, I can't, I can't <laughs> thank you enough for coming on the show. How else can people reach out to you? I'll have links to your website, margieworld.com. Is there any, anything else you want people to uh, reach out to? And
0: no, no, that's mainly it. And I uh, just encourage people, I mean, sign up for my newsletter that's on my website and, um, and and check out the books because, you know, I write them because so many of the messages that I write about are ones I've needed to hear and I meet some people I do. <laughs> Yep. Need to just hear
2: that. So I love your books. I love your material. It's some of the best out there, the most authentic. And I love your authentic voice and, and what you do for women, particularly as a father for four daughters. So, again, appreciate you coming on the Thank show.
0: You. Thank you. They're lucky to have a dad like you,
1: Richard. Oh, they really are.
2: Nice. All right. Thanks for coming on.
1: All right. You take
2: care. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. Go to richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com. And fill out the contact page and reach out to me let me know where you're at your leadership journey also if you want access to my brand new online leadership course to help become a better leader go to LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com fill out your email and you gain access to a free 12-minute video that will reveal the top secrets of leadership and also show you how you can gain access exclusive access to my online leadership course that's LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com hope to see you on the inside thanks for tuning into the show